Funnies, the podcast where I, Jeremy, not funny, funny guy, stupid sounding laugh, I'm kind of both now, I don't know, maybe I'll just keep them both forever, stupid, nah, it's too much, huh, it's too many names, I gotta bring it, I gotta, I gotta bring it down to one name, um, the podcast where I talk about the confusion and disillusionment and hardship of being in your 20s and we work it out together we're all going through the same things we're gonna learn we're gonna grow and ba-da-ba-ba-ba i'm loving it you know so that's the mcdonald's jingle and no they didn't pay me to do that but uh but you're welcome you're welcome (laughs) i got a pop filter but i was listening to like audio tests i don't think it's making much of a difference I think you still hear the nasty mouth sounds that I, that I make, whatever, who cares, we don't care, um, and so there's a lot of stuff going on, a lot of stuff I could talk about, but I, what I really wanted to make this episode about was, of course, not of course, there's no reason to think I would do it, of course, but it's the, uh, the movie Joker, with my boy Joaquin Phoenix, like I was just talking about on the other podcast, my favorite actor because he's just the best man he's so sensitive he's so raw he's so dangerous you know just so ooh, and how weird does his back look in the movie you know i was like dude how did he get his back to look so weird anyway um i finally watched joker and you know the reason i think that it is an appropriate thing to discuss on this podcast is because what is this about this is about the false bill of goods that we have been sold as a generation the ills of society or just the way it is you know it doesn't we don't necessarily have to place a judgment on it but just the ways that it fails to meet our expectations or our hopes and the way that we have to reconcile that and deal with that and still find value and purpose and peace or even just existence in what can seem like such a randomly cruel world And even though Arthur, you know, Joaquin's character, Arthur Fleck in the film, is, you know, presumably much older than his 20s, I think that struggle is at the core of what a lot of us are going through. It's like, what is my place in society? Where do I fit in? What is meant for me? You know, which can be very, very difficult questions to answer. I don't know if I'm going to get through all of it today. I might do like half and half or I don't know it's light as shit as it always is when I do these podcasts because that's life that's what all the people say uh (laughs) we squeeze it in where we can we squeeze it in where we can um but you know as expected I fucking love the movie I thought it was exceptional I thought it was a masterpiece I was like fucking you go Todd Phillips you go Joaquin Phoenix I really 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 enjoy the movie and you know there's been a lot discussed about it there's a lot of stuff that's been discussed about it stuff i agree with stuff i don't agree with insights that i think are very poignant like the the way like the commentary on the way our society treats mental health or rather doesn't treat mental health you know the thing that's kind of getting a lot of retweets on the twitter right now the picture where the thing about mental illness is when you have it people expect you to behave as if you don't which is very powerful you know there's a lot of people you know close to me my loved ones that do have you know severe mental illness and you know it's something that 
still is stigmatized. Like, and even though, like, even me, like, even though I have that personal experience with them, when I see just people out in the world, I never think, oh, you know, maybe they have this or that or that and, like, what those struggles must be. But just statistically, I know that there must be a good amount of people that I have seen just walking about that are dealing with these things on a day-to-day -day basis and what is the allowance society makes for them you know and it, and it's it is really interesting like the questions posed is just like you know who's who's taking care of these people man they don't care they really don't care the support is not there the infrastructure is not there the understanding is not there the education is not there and of course has been great strides recently but is it where you know ideally i think we want it to be no 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 and uh that's uh that's what it is right now and another thing thing i thought that was very was very poignant was the parallels between you know the moneyed classes and the common folk because in a lot of places america of course being one of them you do see you know and i was uber driving in la bro rich getting richer poor getting poorer it's all over the place you know it really is all over the place and i mean i was listening to that the podcast where bernie sanders was on joe rogan and he was talking about that where he had the figures of like you know from this time to this time the top one percent has this many more billions and the bottom 99 percent has this much less and just the, the how the distribution of wealth is even more what's the word stratified i don't know is that is that the what to say i'll, I'll google it later if stratified is an appropriate thing for me to say but it's just um, but yeah you know it has just gotten more you know it stratified more diversification diversificated and i will agree with i think what is the one even people who aren't the biggest fans of joker who were kind of like oh like it was a seven out of ten it was okay it but you know lulled at parts you know which is fair you know what i mean i understand we all have our opinions different things appeal to different parts of our nature that's the way everything is but I think the universal consensus is Joaquin Phoenix was phenomenal, which he was. But I've never seen him not be phenomenal. He's just such an actor, and there's all these stories of how he, he'll he just kind of stop scenes and just kind of walk off. And he's the kind of actor where if he's not really there with the moment, you know, seeing things as a character and just feeling. And if it doesn't feel right, he stops himself. He's not going to fake it. He's not going to phone it in. Which could be seen as pretentious. You know, people are like, oh, whatever, it's your job, just do it, blah, 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 blah. But of course, people who are more fans of, you know, like method acting and purists and things like that, like, we fucking eat that shit up. Like, oh, fuck, what? That's so cool. Whoa, 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 whoa. He doesn't proceed. He just stops the set unless he's feeling it. Oh, fucking, you go, Joaquin. Which is me. <laughs> like, I do think, I don't know, it's just so cool to me. You know what I mean? And I just love the danger that he does have in his screen presence. Although, of course, I know, like, acting itself is not, it's not really dangerous. Like, you're pretending to be somebody on camera or on stage. But just the fact that you feel that way, you know, that, that kind of mystery of, like, you're not knowing what's going to go on. And, and like, and, like, the, I mean, and I guess, like, to, you know, and to me, the emotional lifting is what's the most impressive. But... I did think it was really cool, like, I mean, he, he lost the weight, and like I mentioned earlier, like, what, how did he do that with his back? Like, his back looked weird. Like, it was just so weird. It was like Jesus H. Christ, you know? 
Why do people say that Jesus H? What does the H stand for? Jesus homeboy Christ. Jesus Horatio Christ. <laughs> Jesus Hebrew Christ. Jesus Hebrew Christ. <laughs> Hectic, bruv. Hectic. And I remember like even in the master, like Joaquin was kind of doing the crumpled back thing. But it didn't seem like to this extent. And like in, in this movie, like even when he's like kind of standing up straight, it looks like he has like weird back stuff. I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. it has nothing necessarily to do with the performance, but also everything to do with the performance. Because just seeing irregularities in shape and things like that, that does affect the way you see the character, you know? So, pertinent. So, you know what? I don't regret bringing that up because pertinent. It's crazy, too, because thinking about, like, talking about the master so much, like, the person I talked to the most about it was Andre. My fucking old homeboy, 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 homeboy Andre. And just watching this movie, too, like, Joaquin Phoenix reminded me more of Andre than ever. Just like how weird he is, he's kind of dopey, that kind of outcasty feel. And I remember like there was like a short film I wrote back at CalArts that, you know, it never got produced, of course, because without the resources, but it was about like this misanthropic kind of anti-hero kind of dude, which is, you know, like walking, what, what he kind of always plays. And I, you know, I thought of having Andre do it once we reconnected. And I remember I told Andre like, dude, like these are the types of actors I've always considered you. And, like, just watching Joker, like, made me really realize it all the more on such a visceral level. Like, oh, man, that is so his type, like, his feeling, you know? Just, like, the, his way of being, like, his mannerisms even. Yeah, it was a fucking trip to see that. I hope that motherfucker's doing well. And it was cool, too, because I was watching this interview where Joaquin was talking about the Joker as his dream role now. Like, how, like, I mean, like, I've seen stuff with, like, Todd Phillips and kind of shutting it down. Like, this was meant to be a one-off movie. It's not meant to be a sequel. It's not meant to fit into the, you know, DC cinematic universe. But also Joaquin just kind of saying that he's game to do more movies because just as he did the role and played the Joker and just it kind of opened up to him and just he has so many mixed feelings about the character, which he really likes. And he sees, like, oh, it can go so many different directions in so many different places. And, you know, and how that's fascinating to him. Like, well, he'd kind of almost, like, explore the character forever. And that's kind of why it is his dream role. And it was really cool to hear him say that. Because, of course, man, you know, it, it's like, to me, it's like Captain Jack Sparrow. Where, like, I mean, obviously very different kinds of roles. But just for me personally, like, I would watch that character in a hundred movies. Like, I don't care how crappy the movie is. Like, they could be painting a house. But I'll watch Captain Jack Sparrow in a hundred movies. I'd watch Joaquin's Joker in a hundred movies which of course we never get we never get that many movies from anybody but i would just because i thought it, i just I, I i thought it was so exceptional you know and i can just tell too that i feel like an actor like joaquin phoenix just thinking all the thoughts like whoa what's the joker thinking what's going on in his mind how does he see this and that and that i feel like an actor like that really gets off on that kind of thing and it's like oh yeah yeah like it can just kind of ride off of that forever ride off of that forever you know what i'm saying you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm sure he's thriving off that man. And I, I also personally really enjoyed the script. Like for the people who thought it lulled in places and, you know, you know, oh, most of it was good and, you know, stuff like that. And me personally, like I, after every scene, I was just thinking, you know, well, was I emotionally engaged? Did I care about what happens? Do I see, you know, what the point of it was, how it fits into everything? Do I... Was I bored at all? You know, was it slow for me? And really, I ate up every single scene. Like, the emotional journey of Joaquin, I was so on it from start to finish. 
and everything he went through, I was so there with him and I cared about it. And n nothing felt unnecessary. There was nothing like, ah, oh, that could have stayed on the, on the cutting room floor. You know, like every single scene, I was happy that it was in there because I thought it just really synthesized well to a more complex, nuanced, interesting portrait of this character, of this world, and of this story that, you know, these these mofos were were trying to tell. And I just thought, I don't know, just the way they kind of led things on and the way the, way the plot lines were kind of developed and manipulated and toyed with, you know, and that kind of unreliable narrator thing that they do with the Joker, because obviously there's a whole, like, you know, his past is multiple choice. They talk about in Killing Joke and Dark Knight. And I, I just personally had a very rich emotional experience just watching the movie. I was like, oh, I'm here. I'm here, you know? And at the end of the day, bro, that's what I'm fucking there for, bro. That's what I'm fucking there. Jeremy, bro, I'm there for an emotional experience. Top to bottom, start to finish. Yeehaw, put on the street belt. Street belt. Put on the seatbelt and hit the NAS, baby. Call Vin Diesel and the ghost of Paul Walker and hit the NAS, baby. <laughs> Freaking NAS, bro. How funny is that? And it was so funny to me, too, like, obviously, like, doing Tai Chi. I mean, I know it's not Tai Chi, but, like, after he had, like, the first kind of, you know, he kills the first three fucking dickhead. Oh, sorry. I was, hold on. Oh, oh, oh. Spoilers coming. Spoilers. If you haven't seen the movie, you don't want to hear about the movie. Abandon ship now, because I'm about to talk about it. When he, on the train, when he kills the first three Wall Street dickheads, and then afterwards he's in the bathroom and he's like, he's like dancing. He's like doing the Tai Chi. Obviously it's not Tai Chi, but it was just so funny to me. It was just like so therapeutic. I don't know. Like he, it was the, the beauty in it for me was like here in, in the senses, somebody so stifled by life, so restrained by the expectations, the lack of opportunities afforded to him like us struggling in our 20s the fact that he's finally fighting back against this group of shit cunts you know he's taking a stand he's having some power he's having a voice and you know i don't i don't mean to say that to justify murder i don't think murder is the way to necessarily do that <laughs> but i mean in the way the script was crafted too it felt like a really compelling satisfying moment because i mean those dudes were such assholes like they were fucking harassing the girl just beforehand. It was kind of rapey vibes, sexual assaulty vibes. And they just really seemed like awful people. And then they started jumping a ban with a mental illness. And you're like, oh, they're fucking completely deranged assholes. And so, you know, three less dickheads on the street, baby. I feel like that's the feeling they're going for anyway. Three less dickheads on the street, baby. They just, uh, they become so despicable, you know, through the way they... Through their actions. And you know, I don't want to spoil the movie too. Actually, I do because I already spoiled it. But like just to, I'm going to kind of be bouncing all around. Just kind of like, you know, just train a thought of, of, of just kind of the, the moments as they hit me and as I'm processing them. But the climax of the movie, man. How fucking crazy is the climax? Like I love this, the weird, strange feeling you have when he's on the talk show with Murray. And like... You know, obviously he gets put on the show because he's not funny, but you think maybe he is going to be funny or like what's going to happen. And just that he is so awkward and th that awkward tension, I think, is captured so beautifully and in such a raw way where it feels awkward watching it in the movie. You're like, oh, this is weird. This is uncomfortable. 
he's on live television and then it seems like it goes on too long him and robert de niro talking even after he talks like admits to murders and like it made me think of uh when i forgot kanye had a big scandal i don't know if it was like his slavery comments and then he was on jimmy kimmel the next day and people like oh it's a pr stunt it's publicity but kanye just felt so raw and vulnerable and exposed and i just felt like whoa like this is too real this is too raw like i shouldn't be watching this this is intimate like this isn't this isn't late night tv didn't have that kind of facade that fakeness that guys that we are you know so accustomed to it had this totally different feel and obviously it's totally different like kanye talking about feelings versus a guy murdering and then shooting the host in the head which was so satisfying to watch but just the fact that they in a movie which is so you know it can be such artifice even though of course we are trying to you know in some cases i think in this case make a significant statement about you know that real shit about that real shit but it um yeah it was really cool just that kind of no holds barred vulnerability that you know they were able to evoke for me and like and then the shakiness of the camera and the cinematography gets a little weird and then he grabs the camera and says all this stuff i just thought it was like it was like the seams were coming apart you know finally you know slowly and surely and here we were just kind of ripping the whole wound open you know ripping the band-aid off and i don't know it was so cool it was so cool to me you know and i mean in terms of like the you know the kind of un unreliable narrator thing I, I spoke about you know it was cool just thinking like oh okay was he really adopted or was he actually thomas wayne's son and you know, the, and it, and he did cover up the, the truth of, you know, the mistress with documents and forged things and blah, 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 blah. And I do love that it could be either one because it makes sense that a sick woman would also, you know, have a decent chance of having a sick child and the, the quality of life and the abuse suffered. But it's all, you know, it could also be true, especially the way that they craft this particular cinematic world that... You know, a moneyed elite person could completely rewrite histories and lives successfully, getting away with it, you know, with seemingly no consequences or ways to be found out. And so that mystery, I think, is really palpable and is like left with us, the audience, to digest throughout the movie at the end of the movie. And so then there's the question of, oh, my God, did Arthur kill his actual mother, his biological mother, who's telling the truth and he didn't realize it because he was once again tricked by the system and the powers that be? Or did he finally get his truth and realize he'd been living a lie and have his vengeance and his comeuppance? And I love that layer too. That just adds into the craziness of Arthur. It's like, whoa, you know, it could be either one. It could be either one. And just, you know, like his laughing condition I thought was handled so well. And just how people are always like getting upset at him, you know, which I think has parallels to episodes of any kind of mental illness where people are like, they don't understand that it's not something that can be helped and it just seems inappropriate or it seems whatever. And so they don't have that empathy there. They don't have that sensitivity there. And I'll admit like right off the bat, of course, I've been guilty of that. And it's because sometimes it's hard to process. It's hard to really know. But it's a constant process of me trying to be more empathetic, trying to recognize how I can be more understanding and kind in moments like that, you know? And the fact that he has that card, which is so, like, I don't know, there's something about it that just felt so real, so real world. Like, I, I remember being in the mall as a kid and just, like, the, you know, people who are deaf, they go around selling stickers. 
they put the thing on your thing like hey i'm deaf i'm trying to sell this to get money you know please um i wonder if it was real or if it was now i'm sitting here I'm, i wonder if it was real or if they just faked me out but he's like you know please buy these stickers you know to help me to help support me as like a deaf person and like just the cards and like the kind of smiley face but also like an informative on the way that's the his card about the medical condition was like to just ex explain to people you know, and like what a, what a burden that would be to, to walk through life. And I saw like a headline of an article. There's a guy who really has that condition. And like, apparently he was like questioned by the police about like the death or the murder of his wife and his mom or something, something really gruesome. And he couldn't help but just laugh dramatically during the police questioning, like hysterically because of that, you know, the kind of switch in the brain that causes that, uh, you know, the laughter in inappropriate moments. Yeah, I don't know, I just really, really felt for him, you know, having to move about society in that way. And it was also cool to seeing the train moments and just how gritty the train was and, you know, commuting moments where it was crowded, where I really felt it. Like, I, because like me and Monica take the bus all the time and just that kind of morning commute and just how you're kind of all in your own world. And, and But also when he's on the train, when it's just really gritty and dingy and kind of scary and like these places where there's not really anybody there, the train's a little further out. You know, I've also been on the New York subway or just even public transit in general where there's only a handful of people, maybe even a two or three. I don't know, just the, just the way, it, you know, they, they kind of captured both of those moments, the kind of reality, the, the subtleties and the nuance of it just felt really cool, you know, to, to see that happening. I don't even know what to make of Zazie Beetz's character, you know. Honestly, I don't know. Like, she kind of doesn't really do anything. Like, she's almost just there to add to the mystery of like what really happened was arthur imagining these things was he not you know what is the toll on just you know good people who are nearby somebody who is going through so much mental anguish with their mental illness like what you know what is that to to live among you know amongst that or or to be someone who you know, comes into their line of vision and they and you become someone they care about and they, they look at they look at and they, they pay attention to. Yeah. All I know is th those scenes like later on when it was kind of like showing like you thought she was here this whole time. And you're like, OK, that was kind of quick, but I guess she's in his life. And I was like, oh, maybe she wasn't. I was like, oh, that was really cool. That was really, really cool. And even the way they had like the workmates at like the clown place, like what fucking dickheads they are, you know, and just how people in these spaces you know, can can be just so awful. And it's like, why is that? Why is that uh, an all too common experience of like dickhead coworkers, asshole people? You know, why is it so hard to just find kindness and decency? Is it because there are so many people now? We're desensitized? Is it the violence? Is it because of the disparity of, of wealth? And, you know, the people who do have the power not caring about the people who don't? You know, what leads to, to so the the... the prevalence i guess of these kinds of environments of these kinds of people who are just you know not just not good people you know and just kind of doing awful things oh there's a little bug is that a little cut oh shoot freaking flick that hoe i freaking flick oh shoot dang it oh man i'm being too loud okay come on come on baby oh, i got the spit oh get the spit screen back and up there we go back in outer and also the way just like strangers have no regard for him. Like just people in the street don't give a fuck. And I mean, I'm that way too. Like I don't give 
a fuck about a lot of people I see. They don't give a fuck about me. There's just so many people now. There's just so many people and and like, you know, it's easy to just be so selfish and so in your own world and dealing with your own problems. And, you know, we, we don't even realize that all these other people that have all these other problems and sometimes worse problems that kind of need that support and that help. But there's nothing there for them, man. It's just really this movie, if nothing, is was so thought provoking. And I feel like that's so important. You know, I think that's, that's so crucial to... I don't know, I guess just just art that does become, you know, widespread talk and, and does have lasting power because it gets you talking about ideas and values and beliefs and kind of creates tribes like we're on this side, we believe this versus, you know, whatever the other groups are. I was also wondering too, like the, the scene that he had where like he's at Murray's show and then Murray's like, I wish I had a boy like you, blah, 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 blah. After the you know, that later on in the movie, when like he's making fun of his comedy act, I was like, wait, did that really happen? Was that just imagined by Arthur? Or was that something that really happened and Murray's just such a dickhead that he doesn't even remember that he knows this guy? Oh, so many good questions raised. And maybe Todd Phillips, I think Todd Phillips said he'll answer at some point to go from the Hangover movies to the Joker. Fantastic. I also even really like the scene at Wayne Manor, which I thought, you know, may have been a scene that some people might have gotten born with, uh, sorry, born with, bored with, like, they're like, oh, why is he at Wayne Manor? What's he doing over there? But I just thought it was really cool, the juxtaposition. <laughs> I'm just laughing because like, uh, what's her name? Lisa Rinon. Real Housewives of Beverly Hills is always saying juxtaposition and me and Monica were joking like she's like she just learned that word yesterday but just really seeing like okay here's this older person and here's this young kid and you know if they truly are both sons of this rich man and then here's one because he's legitimate just by fortune of his mother he gets to have this charmed life this wonderful life you know these gates this mansion and here's the other one that because he was the son of, you know, the mistress and a woman who's kind of more downtrodden by society. He becomes downtrodden as well. He has no opportunities and, you know, having that same father, but just a radical social disparity between them and the quality of life disparity. And I just thought it was interesting. Like, I feel like that makes that that's like was presented to the audience very deliberate. Like, look at these people. Like, look, why are they living the lives they're living? And you know, what does that say about our society that it is this way for whatever reasons you want to deem, you know, although I think like, for no reason, basically, you know, just kind of fate and chance and the furies, but yeah, it was hard hitting. And then just his desperation, like when he's, I don't know if that was Alfred, but just the kind of, you know, servant, just like how intense it was. I was like, Phew. good stuff. <laughs> and something I was also wondering about is like, freaking little thing, when the clowns like when they hit the cop car with the ambulance and they bust him out and they put him on the police car. Like I thought it was like, oh, here's the birth of the Joker. Here's the birth of his henchman. He's going to be like a villain and have a headquarters. And these are going to be his cronies now. And then he gets the next scene. He's in captivity. And so it's like they busted him out just to put him up just so he can get locked away in a mental institution. I don't know. Maybe they just wanted to have the cool imagery of like, joker like on top of the police car and stuff but that was a little weird to me like i was like oh okay they broke him out just to let him get captured again 
I guess, but it was a cool scene. The people rallying around their clown prince. But then at the end of the movie, like, after he's talking to the therapist, and then you see him walking down the hallway and there's blood on his shoes, like, oh, he killed the, the woman that was speaking to him in the room. At that point, the kind of, it just, like, the killing felt flippant and nonsensical, which is maybe the point. Which kind of goes back to the line in Dark Knight that Joker had, right? Heath Ledger's Joker. Um, oh my god, what did he say? Some people just want to watch the world burn. But it just basically so, so nihilistic, you know, so so nihilistic. And maybe that's what it felt, because, like, up until that point, it kind of felt like the people that he was killing... There was a statement to be said, like they were a certain kind of person that had, they had it, had it coming versus the therapist. Like she just seemed like a nice, good woman. And then he killed her. Like it was kind of like, mm, was she mean? Was she a dick? I don't know. Ah, oh, man, so many powerful moments. And like his first therapist when, you know, before all the murders, when he's like, you don't listen, do you? All I have are negative thoughts. You, I say this, you know, you ask me the same questions every week. I tell you different things. You don't listen. And how many people are just going on by rote, man? Not really, like, listening and giving help to the people in need. Is there anything else I want to say on Joker before I go to sleep? Watch the movie. Watch the movie. It's such a good movie. I'm so happy it exists. I remember when I first saw, like, I don't know, movie web? Someone posted it, like, oh, jo Joaquin Phoenix to play the Joker. I was like, oh, he's going to be amazing. He's going to be amazing. I'm looking forward to, like, hopefully the movie does, doesn't become a crappy flop like Suicide Squad was. But I was looking forward to it, and it just became this massive thing, smashing so many records. And Jared Leto's upset. I haven't seen Suicide Squad, but I heard he sucks in it. I really want to see Venom, though. Oh, i got to see Venom, man. Anyway. Yeah, I think that's basically it for now. You know, talking about the Joker. Yeah, so thanks, for, thanks for being here. Thanks for being in the discussion. If you want to talk about Joker with me, you know where to find me. Leave a comment, whatever. Um, I'll put this video up on my, you know, on my YouTube, Not Funny Funny Guy. I've been posting some of those other podcasts, you know. I have my parody, how to webinar and how to do a webinar. Hopefully, I'll get the Post Malone vlog up soon. I still, I'm almost done. I just got to cut some things out. Uh, Life of a Telefundraiser. I want to get that done. Leave your boy a five-star review. You know, leave your boy a five-star review. Or you can, you, you know, the alternative is you can sniff a moldy towel that every member of a high school football team rubbed his gooch sweat on. So how about that? Those are your, those are your choices. Five-star review, freaking gooch sweaty towel, all right? I think the answer is clear. Or just do nothing. Just do nothing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, but, you know, oh, man, I hope you enjoyed, you know? Uh, this kind of discussion of the Joker, I just think there's a lot of lessons that I think are, and just like I think, you know, as 20-year-olds who are confused and, you know, disillusioned, disenfranchised, I think there's a lot of comfort to take in like, the universality of that experience. I think there's a lot of important issues raised that are worth talking about, more worth investigating to see what we can do to make positive change going forward. And, uh, you know, just a reminder that we're all in this together. We're all going to be okay as well, you know. You know, things may be bad for you, but probably not as bad as they are for Arthur Fleck. You know, and there's the there's the wisdom of the day. There's the quote of the day. <laughs> and so I think as long as we, you know, we keep the right things in mind, keep our eye on the prize, try to value the right things, do the right things, we're going to be all right, baby. All right. Signing out. Thank <sighs> you.
くんだ